out with just a little bit of talking because I heard that if you talk before your podcast, it makes the listeners feel like, oh, hi there. Didn't hear you come in. Welcome to Forced Update, episode 99. My name's Trevor, and today I'm joined with two great gentlemen. To my right is the Turkish Tower of Power, the two-time Wrestling Federation champion, Yaz. Say hello, Yaz. Are you ready for tonight, brother? Thank you. And to my other right is a Mexican. Say hi, Adam. Hola. And you were listening to Forced Update. How are you guys doing this week? Pretty good. Doing good? Doing good? All right, this is episode 99 of Forced Update. Uh, It is our second episode of Forced Update, which officially puts us one episode farther than we ever thought we were going to get. So, little... Little round of applause. Don't actually clap. Uh, little round of applause for us. I expect our fans to be clapping right now in their buses or wherever they are. Adam, maybe in the third episode we'll get a soundboard. Maybe not. Maybe. Adam, maybe. Adam, did you get the pinata? Um, no, I was sleeping. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, very typical. Very typical. Uh, we're going to start out pretty fast today because uh, we got a lot to cover. Uh, we're going to start with you, Yaz. Uh, what'd you do this week? Anything? Uh, not much gaming, just a little bit more Assassin's Creed 2. Uh, I bought the wrong light bulbs for my living room three times. Wow. Yeah, three times. And That's actually lo- really impressive. Logic would have said that after maybe the first time, I would have just brought the light bulb that I had in the ceiling fan to the store just to make sure that I got the right one. Nope, I'm an idiot. Um... I sold a bunch of stuff on Amazon, like the video game trade-in, because I was looking at all my stuff, and I felt like I was beginning to become a hoarder. Uh, <laughs> like Old just, lady with a bunch of dead cats around your house? Just stuff I'll never play. Like, like I remember I bought Sonic Director's Cut. Like Why? Sonic Adventure Director's Cut years ago on GameCube, and oh, every time I looked at it, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to play that. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm gonna. I really hope you got a good deal on those games. And I did not, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to get rid of them. But um, so my thinking was just okay. Get rid of this all this crap. And then I watched a lot of Pawn Stars. I don't know why. Uh, it's kind of cool when they have like old crap. I said, it's just a show about people getting screwed over. Like nobody ever comes out of. I feel like if I watched yeah. that show, I would never go to that pawn shop. Yeah, I mean, no, I definitely agree with you. It's, the, you know, they're like, some guy appraises like, oh, your antique gun is worth $10,000. And then the guy's like, I'll give you two. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, I wanted more. But I don't plan on shooting soon, so I guess I should sell it. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that sucks about that show is like anything in the show that isn't about the antiques. Like, anytime they try to be funny or do something stupid, like, I'm, ugh. Yeah, though, like, when they're like, hey, let's talk about my father. Yeah, like, hey, about your father. The two, where's the pawn stuff? It's like American Choppers. Like, oh, my God. Like, I remember watching that show when it first came out, and now it's just, like, 
drama, like, oh, yeah. my son doesn't love me. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, aren't you supposed to be building a motorcycle? Like, the motorcycles, like, the manufacturing process of that l- looks pretty neat, but too bad all they do is bitch and whine. Like, yeah. who cares? Well, That's uh, good TV. Thank you for uh, showing everyone why we are the worst video game podcast on the internet. Yeah, I didn't play video games, yeah. Uh, I actually, though, I do know you played one video game. What video game uh, is that? Possibly one video game involving uh, confectionaries. Oh, God. Yeah, that's like, that was, yeah, that was like pre-New Year's. Yes. Uh, yeah. Why don't you talk about that? Okay, well, we'll, t- well, yeah, let's talk about that right now. Um, so I go over to Trevor's, uh, and Adam's over there, too. We're kind of all having a New Year's Eve celebration. It's not just us. There's other people, too. It's Apple. just us. We're sitting yeah, in a dark room yeah, in my mother's it was, basement. It's <laughs> just as sad as this podcast is. <laughs> But, um, so Trevor bought me, like, maybe a year ago, or I don't know if it was for my birthday or for last Christmas, he bought me Ninja Bread Man for the Wii, which is just, like, shovelware. Yeah, like, if you look at those, like, really bargain shitty titles. Yeah. That's where it is. So, but we always really wanted it just because, I mean, if you look at the cover of Ninja Bread Man, which I suggest you do if you have not seen it. And if you just, like, read anything on the back of that box, it just sounds so amazingly crappy. <laughs> so we uh, so we started it up, and I'm thinking, like, okay, I just want to start it up, play maybe five, ten minutes, see what this game's about, and then probably shelf it for forever because I'm a hoarder. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> what ends up happening is we sit down for, like, two hours and beat this game. And, yes, two hours. Two hours and- long. Four and- levels... One of which is a tutorial. Yeah, that's the best part. So we saw a menu before we started the game of like four levels. And my thinking was like, oh, you unlock those four levels and then there's more levels afterwards. So we're playing the game and like, and we go through the tutorial and the tutorial wants you to like flick the nunchuck to jump, which is impossible. (laughs) Not even in the best games is that a good idea. Yeah, and so, but... We we played the other three levels, and, you know, after the third level, and it was, like, pretty tough. I don't understand if that game's for kids. Describe describe the gameplay, because I think that's the best, like, um, how did you tackle this game? The gameplay is kind of like, whoever made the game must have closed their eyes and just designed random stuff. And then afterwards, just kind of, like, connected it together somewhat. (laughs) The game is basically, uh, you collect these little blue fluorescent rave... And you gotta remember, you're you're a gingerbread man in a, like, uh, confectionary world. It's essentially a fever-induced nightmare. Except these items you collect, which are these, these purple, like, vials of electricity. Yeah, and and the best thing about it is that all the three levels are pretty much the same. Exactly the same. Like, everything is like, you know, cupcakes, and the platforms are cookies, and, oh my god. It, and the and music... The homing bullets shot out from those cakes. Uh, the strawberry shortcakes. That oh my god. Like Star Wars <clears throat> on torpedoes that will follow you through a I think, they were, I think they shot strawberries, and they would home in on you. Like, it's almost impossible to hit an enemy in that game without taking damage, because the controls are so terrible, you have to... You have to waggle the Wiimote to, you know, cut with your sword. 
but it never works. Like it maybe works because you didn't have Wii Motion Plus. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't. <laughs> That's really what that new game needs to take it to the next level. But it was just, oh god, it was an experience. At one point, I kept on dying on this one level, and I don't know why. I was like, I have to beat this. It started off as, well, I don't want to play this stupid game, and then it ended up being like, I have to beat this. I loved, I loved that our our playing of this game basically devolved into like twelve people screaming at a television, with one person like not even like just running top speed, trying to avoid <laughs> everything in sight. Speed running, and it didn't even make any sense because like uh, like the setup for this game is like. Uh, uh, it's being taken over by evil, like, cake stuff. <laughs> but, like, what you're doing is, like, getting, like, energy cells to power a giant, like, mechanical teleporter. And so there's no just... end. Like, there's no resolve. Like, I don't even know what happened. It just goes to credits. And, like, well, do I even get, like, what was the point of this, like, giant teleporter? Oh, yeah, there's no... Electronic th- device? There's no... Trevor, you bring up a good point. One of the points was, um, I didn't even know that there was a plot. Thank you for filling me in on that. Yes. <laughs> and... There's no ending. Once you beat the game, it just goes to the main menu. Like, the credits don't even roll. It's I just- think the best part was when you beat the game, we went back to our profile and saw that it was a 100%. There was <laughs> yeah. nothing else left to do, and I thought that was the best moment of the game. No, and then they had the gall to, if you went back through the levels, you could now, once you beat it, pick, like, three different modes, like time attack or collect extra items in a certain amount of time or something like that. And and I was like, who the fuck would play this again? <laughs> Essentially asking you, how much do you hate yourself? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. That was, it was, it was a game. It was a video game. All right. All right. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot because uh, you, you seem to not have a lot to talk about today. So I'm going to put you on the spot on this one. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, would you play a Ninja Birdman sequel? Yes. Yes, you would? <laughs> yes, because... <laughs> yes, only, I mean, I would probably pay no more than 20 bucks for it. That's the thing. I wouldn't pay, like, 50 bucks for it. All right. All right. I would watch Yaz play a Ninja, Man, Ninja Bird Man sequel. I would, too. I agree with that. And I, I have a world exclusive for our podcast uh, with absolutely no backup source whatsoever. <laughs> but, uh... I think I think we need a future review in here. Uh-oh. Yaz, I think you have to give a future review for the sequel to Ninja Bread Man. Ninja Bread Man 2, Shaolin Sugarcane. Please, take it away. Oh, my God. So, future reviews, uh, just it just proves you don't have to see a game. You don't even have to play a game. You could review it. Um, so Ninja Bread Man to Shaolin Monks? What was Shaolin that? Sugarcane is the name of this title. Shaolin Sugarcane. I like that. That's good. Thank you. I, I just made that up. Gets five candy canes out of three cookies. Right, that's not bad. You heard it here, folks. Yeah, that's not bad. World so, exclusive. You know, I, I think I'd play that. Do you want to, do you want to keep this going, Adam? Do you want to, want to do a couple more future reviews real quick? Sure. Let's do it. All right, all right, we're going to do a future review. Uh, let's see. Yaz? Oh, God. <laughs> I want you to future review Mario Galaxy 3. Oh, God. Rise of Waluigi. Right. Ooh, Rise of Waluigi. You know, Nintendo's best character. I know, the one that mostly uh, likes playing tennis and golf, but... Yeah. Okay, well, Mario Galaxy 3. 
you know, the graphics were good, the gameplay was tight. I don't know, level 5 really needed some tweaking, but um, overall, I think I'm going to give it 7 woohoos out of 4. That's supposed to be you Yoshi. sitting on Yoshi. Yeah, that's, Yoshi's that's, a prominent part one. of Mario Galaxy uh, 3, so... That's, my Yoshi sound is not as good. Uh, I gotta okay. go out and buy it. I think that's good. No, I think I'm gonna go out and get that too. Oh man, I've just shamed myself so much. Just, can we burn this? Can we just burn this whole podcast down right now? <laughs> <laughs> We've resorted to silly. Uh, I think, I think we should tricks. really just take the next hour to help Yaz on his Yoshi sound effect. Yes, we should. We're gonna spend the next hour of our podcast. We're 12 minutes in, just working on Yaz's Yoshi sound. I agree. Let's do it. Is this, uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Back uh, to Gingerbread Man. Do you have anything else, guys? Did you see any, like, maybe any good movies or anything else you want to talk about before I move on? I saw Black Swan, but that was, like, that was pretty long ago. Right. But uh, Black Swan. Good. Uh, I have one thing. Yeah. I have wanted to see Natalie Portman naked since she was in Leon the Professional. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. That's, that's the minimum. Will I realize that dream in this movie? Uh, she's not naked in it, but she is very, <laughs> very sexy, but very skinny in it. Very skinny. Very skinny. When has she not been very skinny, though? That's skinny. I would say skinnier than usual. Oh, okay. All right, but well, how was it? Realistically, how was how was it? Black was, Swan? It was really, really, really good. That's it. I have a I have like a soft spot for movies where people like the kind of what the main like plot line in the story is someone gradually going insane. Like There Will Be Blood and The Shining. I love those movies. So this movie is, I'm not going to say like those movies, but kind of the, you know, it, she gradually goes crazy, basically. And right. it was good. So it was really good. you recommend a viewing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. Heard it here first. Uh, Yaz, uh, Turkish Tower of Power, recommends a viewing of Black Swan. Not with your parents, though. Not with your parents. Younger with your parents. I hope nobody who would have to watch that with their parents is listening to this right now. Yeah. That Jerry, would... don't go and see this with your parents. I did not see it with my parents, but one of my thoughts was, man, I would never see this movie with my parents. <laughs> you know who can never see movies with their parents? People, orphans? Batman. 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 <laughs> okay. I'm, glad, I'm glad you caught that one, Adam. <laughs> and uh, since you were so gracious to answer that question, I think we should move on to you. Did you do anything this week worth talking about? I did. I have given up two games that I purchased. You've given up two games that you purchased. Two games. Actually, one I'm still on the fence with, uh, Nier. Um, <laughs> I realized I possibly had it on too hard of a difficulty. Also, Yaz, in the last podcast, you told me that I had possibly been fishing in the wrong spot. Yeah. I was fishing in the wrong spot. <laughs> that old man is a liar, and I will no longer accept quests from him. Um... But I got to a stage where it's pretty much a building full of puzzles. And as you both know, puzzles are not my strong suit. Yeah, I think we should inform the, the listenership right now that um, when, I, when I first met Adam, I'm trying to remember what game you were playing, but it literally, I think it might have been Zelda, where you literally, all you had to do was push a block in a straight line across the room. And he looked at it and he said, fuck this game. And he turned it off. Yeah. That was my first watching Adam play a video game experience. <laughs> I also did a similar thing with, uh, I believe it was Star Fox. Yes. Uh, you can tell it if you'd like, or I can tell uh, it. I think it was one point where uh, a ship came up behind my character and 
what was it, the frog Slippy, I guess his name Slippy, was. I don't yeah, remember Slippy the ship. But he goes, up, oh, bogey on your six. And I went, what, bogey on my six? Fuck this game. He turned it off. Fucking <laughs> turn that shit off right there. <laughs> Anywho, the, the puzzles in Nier require you to follow a set of rules. And there are some puzzles where you're not allowed to jump, some puzzles where you're not allowed to do magic or run. Unfortunately, the controls don't really make it easy for you to do that. You can push forward completely on the analog stick sometimes, and sometimes he'll run, sometimes he'll walk. (laughs) So I got hurt so many times doing those puzzles that by the time I got to the gigantic boss, I had no more healing materials and just died about 50 times. So I was like, well, you know what? Fuck this game. Turned it off. Still on the fence because there is an easy mode that I can play on the game, so I may try it in that. The second game that I have definitely given up on is Knights in Nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Without knowing anything about two games. Exactly. And, and, you know, if I've come to this realization, if it's going to be a strategy game, it pretty much has to be Fire Emblem for me to like it. I went into the tutorial of the game and thought to myself, this possibly, this can't possibly be more complicated than this guy was. And I know, Trevor, you may think this guy is not complicated, but I'm retarded. <laughs> this game pretty much puts this guy at a shame in almost every way. I went to the tutorial and they're like, okay, every one of your characters moves like a chess piece. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. Every one of your character also has four different attacks. That sounds cool. Every one of those four different attacks has a different element. Okay. Those elements have magic that can attach to them. <laughs> All right. You have to switch them every turn. What? Go. <laughs> I'm done. It's too complicated. I wanted to say, because uh, you said something uh, about Nair. I personally feel like, and I used, like, when I was younger, I would never say this, but I feel it's not as damning to play a game on easy nowadays as it used to be. Mm. And I don't know if it's just because the content, like, the difficulty of games nowadays are more based off of the fact of it poor development, or if, um, because games aren't harder than they used to be, but I'll still play, like, Mega Man, uh, you know, don't care how hard it is. Something like, let's say, Nair, I don't know, like, I, I played Prototype. Uh, a long time ago, I hated that game, and that was because of the difficulty I said it at. And it wasn't because, oh, this is so hard. It was because the difficulty just, like, sapped the fun. Instead of going around having fun, punching people through, like, buildings, I was just so stressed out and angry by, like, uh, just the the brokenness that it it kept shoveling on me. Yeah, one one of the things that I had uh, approached with Nier was that I was playing it, I was frustrated, and I was going, this game isn't good enough for me to keep playing it and be angry at it. Because I played, like, some parts in Assassin's Creed 2 really frustrated me. But overall, the game is fantastic. And I go, I know if I get past this part, I'm going to start having fun again. With Nair, I don't know that. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to get past this puzzle dungeon. And then it goes, well, you got seven more rooms to go. And I says, well, shit. Get past those seven rooms. Well, there's eight more. You well, can't jump in these puzzles. And I'm like, well, fuck you. It is well, essentially another bogey on my six. Ms. Bogey's on your six. That's 
Bogies. Anytime it's fucking bogeys on your six. You just got to turn that shit off. So I go right back to Lost Planet 2. <laughs> oh, God, Lost Planet 2. You want to talk about Lost Planet 2 real quick? That would be great. Uh, uh, me me and you this week got back into Lost Planet 2. You had your data erased, so we, we jumped back in. And that game never stops amazing me. Um, just, just despite, like, what, what, like, reviews gave it and, like, it's, it's a claim. Uh, me, me and Adam, like, apparently there's a whole set of, like, uh, support weapons that we never even knew existed. I had beaten this game, like, three or four times. And they are flashy as hell and fun to use. Yeah, I would say this to any of our listeners out there who are naysayers towards Lost Planet. In any of your other games, have you ever dropped a sun on an enemy? If the answer is no... Then you don't have a good game. That's it. You gotta play Lost Planet. That's have you ever uh, just been uh, driving along in your mech suit and then realized you could jump into your friend's mech suit while in your mech suit and uh, launch a giant laser beam that will kill everything in the entire level? You can you, you can go Voltron on it. No, if you haven't, you're not playing a good game. Uh, is there a tactical nuclear missile in your game? Is there a sword that spans the entire level? Well, actually, we can't say we asking. can't say tactical nuclear missile because then a lot of the Call of Duty fans will come after no, us. Go, oh no, sir! Yeah, they got a they got My a game is the greatest. I got a twenty ever. kill streak and I dropped a nuke on actually, Nuketown. Actually, like, that's not even my voice. I have to be like, I don't know if I can do it. I have to be like, no, sir. My mom told me that <laughs> I'm allowed to play this game. What is with children playing these games? I think it's Adam. I think it's actually well over twenty, which I think is what is so ridiculous about. Oh, okay, it. I think it's well, like. It might be 50. I'm not well, you know, it's as, as ridiculous as that sounds to us, that's probably achieved every two seconds in Call of Duty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. By because some... you probably have about a good 10,000 people that are able to do that every match they get into. It's like Trevor said by some 13-year-old that's like, I just got the tactical nuke. You guys want to see it? Or you can be like the kid who played Lost Planet with us. Hey, there's a supernova attack. What is it? You'll know it when you see it. Now, granted, we did know it when we see it, but he could have just as soon explained it to us, like, hey, you group this weapon with this weapon, and then you drop a sun on a character's head. But no, he had to be a little dick about it. Run around thinking Red Faction 2 was the first, or, yeah, Red Faction 2 was the first Red Faction game. I think we talked about that last week, though. Yeah. You know what's awesome about that is that there's a Red Faction 1 and 2 before Gorilla. Yeah. Yeah, the, the fact that he said that Red Faction One was Red Faction Gorilla is hilarious because that also means Red Faction. Not only Red Faction One doesn't exist, but Red Faction Two apparently doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, don't you know Yaz Halo invented the FPS? That's true. Halo. Halo. Before Halo, it's true. Yeah, story. first person, first first person shooter. There you go. Did you play anything else, Adam? Um, no, I did not. I thought about playing Red Dead. But uh, had to install it, so. Nah, installs. Yeah, you know, you know how it goes. Yes, I do. The, did you have to force update it? Uh, uh, is that why we named shameless it? Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I played uh, quite a few games this week. By quite a few, I mean like three. Um, no, that's quite a few for us. Yes, yes. Uh, the fact that we have enough material to make... Uh, a podcast surprises me every time. The fact that we're doing a podcast that all surprises me. We're doing a podcast. Oh my god. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so I, I played Scott Pilgrim, uh, the 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 downloadable game, the the beat 'em up. 
lot of fun. A lot of fun as long as you have people sitting next to you. But the game is like horribly flawed in my opinion. Um, it basically boils down to you getting a group of people together and playing the game until player one makes enough money to pay off uh, Scott's uh, rental fees on the first level. At which case you can max out all his stats and you go from like punching some people around to punching people into the stratosphere. Like, I literally had a point where uh, me and Adam were playing, and I uppercut somebody, and we finished killing the rest of the enemies on the screen, and usually you get the go prompt, but it never came up. And like four minutes in, we were like, we should probably reset this game, because I think it's broken. And then the enemy fell from the sky that I had uppercutted four minutes earlier. <laughs> so once <laughs> you get, like, that... Time. Yeah, once you get that, the game's fun. And you can, like, piggyback it. So, like, we played it a second time. I gave Adam my uh, my character that that could, like, punch holes through space. And then we collected money to do a second character that punches holes through space. And in that regard, the game's fun, but that's really all it boils down to. <laughs> now, that game is not online. That is not no. that game is, and that's a huge flaw, especially for yeah. That's kind of why, like, Castle Crash is a bit better. Yeah, yeah. I still mean to, to get down and play some Castle Crashers. I have not yet. Yeah, I was that in Castle Crashers, I think, is the only one that combines local with online as well. Yes, I would definitely play. Uh, I would definitely play Scott Pilgrim with you guys if it was online. I thought, that, yeah, that's the only reason why I haven't bought it because I'm forever alone here yeah. <laughs> and um, can't play it with anybody. I'd also say that it has the best soundtrack, in my opinion, in a video game. Uh, of all last year. Like, if I had to give that to somebody, I probably would have given it to Anna Monaguchi, who did all the, the sound, all the music for that game. That is some good music. I do agree with yeah, that. Yeah, that's it's some kicking tunes, if you will. It's um, Mega Man music. I, I, I picked up... Uh, I'm trying to get through, through some old games. I finished White. Bioshock 1 not too long ago, and I've gotten into Bioshock 2 now. Mm-hmm. I can safely say that I think Bioshock 2 is better than Bioshock 1 in almost every way. I agree, except for story, but I agree. Um, I knew that so I had the story, story spoiled for me in Bioshock 1, so uh, it never like impacted me as much as it impacted everyone else. But it was like atmosphere, like the enemy character design. Like I, I get so much more stressed out playing that, playing uh, Bioshock 2 than I ever got playing Bioshock 1. Oh, yeah. And it has one of my favorite things. Um, I'm usually not a fan of this gun. Uh, I actually usually avoid it in every game. But there's like two or three games that exist. One being Time Splitters, and one being uh, Battlefield Bad Company Two. That I find these to be like my favorite gun, and that's the shotgun. Oh yeah, yep. I've never used the shotgun in Bioshock One. In Bioshock Two, I love the hell out of that gun. Upgrading that gun is awesome. Like all the little upgrades you can do to all your guns, like through for to the what is it? The power to the people station. Yeah, power to the people stations. Yeah, those. Pimp I mean, that gun out. And your drill. Pimp your drill out. Oh, that's right. Somebody told me that I can get, like, a drill dash if I pimp oh, it out. So I've started pimping Oh, my it. God. It becomes amazing when you have the drill dash. Uh, I'm working towards it. Pierce the heavens. Pierce the heavens with that drill. Uh, and, like, the atmosphere, I think, is, is better. Uh, like, more stuff is just happening for you to look at. The audio tapes I find more relevant. Just, like, everything, like, just, just seems improved in that game. And I feel really bad. Because so many people, uh, I guess, maybe didn't give it a chance. Yeah, I think people dismissed it as like a, oh, they just want more money. But, I, I mean, obviously they did want more money. But Did the uh, second game get less uh, sales than the first one? 
I don't know, but it didn't like the acclaim wasn't there that was in the mm-hmm. first game. I think so because I, I'm I, from what I remember, Bioshock One sold a pretty like surprising, ridiculous game amount. Because yeah. I know the second game went down far faster in price than the first one did. That's true. That's true. And uh, as a public service announcement, I would like to say because I found so many people who don't know this exist. Minerva's Den is not a multiplayer expansion. It is an expansion to the game with a new story. Go out and buy it. It is very good. Did you play it yet? Uh, I have not. I have it downloaded. Uh, A friend of mine who didn't know it existed played it, and he said it was better than Bioshock 2. That is what I've heard from everyone, basically. That it's like four to five hours, and throughout those four to five hours, you just get like much... You gain abilities and plasmids and guns a lot quicker than the actual game, so you basically, by the end of it, become this superhuman being like that just can destroy everything. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be the expediency of, of your level progression that really yeah. makes that game fun. It's yeah. refreshing to hear about DLC that's really worth buying. Yeah, too often now DLC is... is a quick cash. I still like. I still refuse. As of right now, I refuse to buy Marvel vs. Capcom three because they're having day one DLC of two characters. Oh, <laughs> I find that to be like the most bullshit I've ever heard. Well, I feel like, especially recently, they've been getting pretty good with DLC, like Battlefield Vietnam, Minerva's Den, Undead Nightmare. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're beginning to try, and it's kind of cool. Even like the. Dead Rising stuff on 360, like uh, the Case West, Case West, which and I've heard good things Zero, about. right? Case Zero, K- yeah. Case Zero was the pre Dead Rising oh. Two. Case West is the post Dead Rising Two. Okay, yeah, yeah. They're trying. Yeah, I mean, it's getting better. It's just there's some instances like the Marvel vs. Capcom Two, and then Blaze Blue did it as well, where they were like, "You want more characters that you know," and that's okay. I don't mind that. You want more characters? Here's some DLC. I can I can see that. But when you start releasing your new characters, like, day of the game's release, now you're just slapping a consumer in the face. Now, do you know if that's going to be, like, oh, if you buy the game, the code's going to be in the box? Or is it going to be, like, oh, even if you bought the game, you still have to pay it? To my understanding, it's even if you bought the game. I'm just waiting for uh, the Ninja Bread Man DLC, really. Yes, yes, for, yes. Um, For that extra level. The the (laughs) expansion to Ninja Bread Man. $20. $20. Uh, And then other than Bioshock 2, uh, I I played an iPhone or iPod game called Grim, uh, which I will actually be doing a short review on uh, elder-geek.com, our our sponsor. I I just downloaded that. Did you? It's really fun. Really? It looks really pretty. I saw it was a dollar, and I was like, holy crap, that game looks really cool. Yeah, it's nothing, like, you're not going to find, like, anything ultra special in it um i mean it's a 99 cent game yeah but like for i think it's 10 levels long and it it really tends to keep it kind of fresh yeah the, the, i just saw screenshots and i saw it was a dollar and i was like okay yeah you you just uh it's a, a game that uses the the gyroscopic technology you tilt your uh ipod or iphone or ipad to make this little, uh, I think it's pronounced perambula, a, a baby carriage, move through this extremely gothic world, all hand-drawn, and you're trying to navigate it with a baby inside your carriage to get him to safety. And Grim is a character who is trying to, I don't know if he's just trying to kill this baby or if he's trying to catch this baby. They don't make that very clear. But the Maybe game it is, is his baby. Maybe it is his baby. Plot twist. 
Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, M. Night Shyamalan wrote that. <laughs> yes, yes. The game is written by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, and then other than that, uh, I definitely sat down and finished the first season of uh, America's Greatest Fantasy Show, uh, Hercules, The Legendary Journey, starring Kevin Ooh. Sorbo. Uh, I hate you. <laughs> really, man, like, I, I'll be honest. I love Xena. Xena Warrior Princess was one of my favorite TV shows when I was younger. And I watched the first season of that a while back. Loved it. Great. Watched the first season of Hercules, The Legendary Journey, starring Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> I think that's crap. That's not a good show. Mm-hmm. The only show, the episodes I liked were with, and maybe it's because I have like like an, a little kid crush on uh, Lucy Lawless. I will watch uh, Spartacus. I think she's in Spartacus just to see her. But uh didn't really like the first season. Probably won't buy any more. But blast from the past on that one. I, w- I won't be buying any seasons either. Ah, you you getting ready to start Farscape? Uh, yes, I also bought uh, the complete series of Farscape on Amazon for 50 bucks. Oh, so you did cave on that. Yes, I had it. I put myself on a spending freeze because I spent too much money during the December months. And then I bought Farscape for... for it's a Jim Henson sci-fi television show. I had to buy it. That does sound appealing. And nobody respects Jim Henson the way they should. I bought Dexter's Laboratory. <laughs> That's all I got to say. That's all, it's all you have to say. And with that, uh, we are going to move on to news. Got to pull a train on this news. It goes like this. Each of us has one news story that we have looked up prior to doing this podcast. Hopefully. And uh, we'll read it out and discuss it a little bit. So do you want to start, Yaz, with whatever you got? Yes. Uh, from the Nintendo... Uh, Japanese site, uh, they put up the hardware specs for the 3DS, and uh, according to people that can translate Japanese, it says that uh, for 3DS games, that the 3DS is going to have three to five hours uh, of battery life, and for DS games, uh, they're going to have five to eight hours of battery life, and they also say to charge it from absolutely no charge, it's going to take three and a half hours. All right, I'm that's uh, not good. Yeah, that's that's kind of how like, what, estimate because I don't remember how long does just regular like regular Nintendo DS. How long um, does that guy last? Um, I want to say ten. Ten ish. I want to yeah. say ten. Okay. I just need to. It takes about an hour, maybe an hour and a half to charge fully too. That's. I also read um, that the games are going to be like about forty-five bucks somewhere That's uh, not too U.S. Bad. currency. Uh, I mean, I don't, it's not too bad, but I, I don't know how I feel about the 3DS right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Nintendo used to really care about uh, long-lasting battery life, and I understand the technology uh, warrants a bit of a change, but not sure how I feel. You know, yeah. I'm actually on the other side of the fence with the with the 3DS. I probably won't buy it, but as far as, like, the battery life is concerned, from all they're touting, these handhelds, like, what they should be able to do, uh, three to five hours seems about right to me. And with, like, how we discussed the PSP2, if that's going to have the power of a PS3, it may have 20 minutes of battery life. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So with, with all they're touting, like, the computing speed and all the intense graphics and everything they're going to have on these handhelds, you know, it's not surprising that they're going to only have that much battery life. 
I mean, the battery life on an iPod Touch, even with That's the Wi Fi turned off, is kind of garbage. Like, yeah. it, it's not it's not good at all. And Trevor, to answer your question earlier, I just uh, I just looked it up. The DSI, uh, if you put it on the lowest screen brightness, uh, it has 19 to 14 hours. Oh, wow. That's the DSI. And uh, if you put it on the highest brightness, it's three to four hours. The DS Lite, if you put it, if you put it at the lowest brightness, is fifteen to nineteen. Oh man, I saw that. that is With, I remember good. some long hours of uh, Mario Kart DS. Oh yeah, so, I can't oh, yeah. believe that. Still and I know for a fact, iPod. Uh, I can get maybe a good thirty minutes of Angry Birds in before I got to plug that in. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the yeah the battery life on that is very disappointing because I remember I was like. Instead of studying at an airport, I just started playing iPod games once, and I was at the airport for like two hours, and you know, ready to get on my flight. And I looked on my battery life, and I was like, "Oh man, that sucks." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I'm interested to hear more. I think on the 19th is the um, in New York City at I assume they're going to do it at the Nintendo store. Mm-hmm. Is like the the, the press uh, opening for the uh, 3ds. Mm-hmm. So uh, keep keep tuned in for some news that week. And uh, I'm really interested to see like what some hard just some hard data shows. Yeah, and let's be honest, like you know they're coming out with a 3ds Lite or a 3ds. Yeah, uh, oh yeah. So the battery life will probably more than likely get better over time. Like That's I true. personally, I personally have learned a long time ago not to buy a Nintendo handheld right when it comes out and wait for the first redesign or or now I have a. Th- uh, DS DSI XL, which is awesome because I have gorilla. <laughs> yeah, hair. you do have you have gorilla meat hooks. So. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's DS uh, 3DS battery life. Yeah, interesting. You. I've heard some interesting stuff about uh, that the 3D has a fairly low margin for um, for working properly. Like you have to hold it in a specific way. I've heard that they have been talking. That their um, Nintendo usually puts out messages, and it's always kind of ridiculous. But like, you should quit every hour after playing uh, to like let your eyes readjust and stuff like that. And they've actually brought it down to thirty minutes if you're playing with 3D. So oh, yeah. they've had like some some weird changes going on, and I'd like to I'd like to see how the system pans out. Yeah, yeah, I saw I saw a Kotaku headline that was uh, uh, something along the lines of like doctors. Uh, uh, doctors uh, say that there is no harm in the 3DS like technology for kids' eyes, and then the headline also said like, in fact, it may be beneficial. So I just got this mental image of my head of like all the moms out at Christmas, <laughs> like out at Christmas, like I gotta get my son the 3DS. It's gonna make his eyes better. It's like, like that LASIK surgery. <laughs> and then yeah. in like three years, they'll be like. Cancer. With cancer. I cancer. I cancer on everyone. Somehow. <laughs> hey, Adam, all right. Uh, what is your news story for today? All right. My news story, which is somewhat related to video games because it's iPhone is can be considered a video gaming platform, there's an iPhone case that opens beer bottles. What? And I thought this was amazing because, you know, two of my favorite things are drinking and playing video games. Mm-hmm. So you can buy this for $20. I myself am waiting for the Android model, which should be free but riddled with advertisements. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like, I feel like we could expand this. I mean, like, what if we start getting, like, PlayStation 3 controller koozies with 
uh, with bottle overs on the back. So I can like be, be playing some Battlefield Bad Company 2 and just pop open a brew. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that would be fantastic. I think we're looking onto the inception of something great. I mean, you can you can have like, for instance, I would say like the demographic for like 360. Hook it up. Let the 360 power refrigerator to put your beer. Yes, <laughs> three people. They're a little bit a little bit more wealthier, you know. Have them power a wine cooler. Oh, a box of wine for like uh, you know for for the Wii. Have them power a refrigerator full of Capri Sun. <laughs> little milk, Yahoo milk cart. Some, some milk, some some chocolate milk, maybe some Kool Aid. Or if it's like a freezer, you can do the frozen Kool-Aid popsicles. I love those. <laughs> Pour some juice in a, a regular ice tray. And honestly, the Wii it. really is the closest thing to something like that because it charges everything. It charges everything I own. I plugged my headset and my PlayStation controllers into that today. And hopefully later on, I'll uh, be able to play some more Bioshock. With some and they'll pieces. be broken. It'll be broken. Everything will be broken. Do you, uh, I think they need to add more to this case. Like, yeah, beer, beer bottle is... Beer bottle opener is great, but I think you just need to like have like a Swiss Army knife case. Oh, you know, I'm looking at the back of it, and there's definitely a room for corkscrew for people who like wine. Yeah, I mean, there really should just be like a blade on the side, so if you're like in a car accident, you can cut your seatbelt. There's so need, many things that you can do with this. I need like nail clippers too. Like nail clippers on there would be great. Yeah, I could see nail clippers. Yeah, I don't want somebody just like sitting around clipping their nails with their uh, their, with their, their iPod, iPod playing Angry Birds, three starring while it's multitasking. Trevor, oh, why? Oh, why wait, you, you just you sold it to me right there. You know, why are you hating? <laughs> you just sold it to me. I've had to give up some of my three starring, but anytime I realize that it can be done, I, I still do it. You're a madman. I'm a madman. I have uh, I've. Uh, I actually three starred a level yesterday game. on my first try, and I hated myself after it. Because yeah, I, I was so proud of myself, and I had about about eight, a good eight to ten seconds of pure bliss, and then I just fell out of the clouds and, and hated myself, wanted to smash my Android phone against my face. And you, gotta, you gotta line that right shit up, then, you gotta find... It's like, oh, you three-started, would you like a Coca-Cola? <laughs> Advertise to you. I'm telling you, it's a science. Angry Birds is a science. All right, I got I got my news story uh, from the Consumer Electronics Expo. Uh, it has to do with the uh, Razer Switchblade, which, although sounding like a sharper image scooter, is actually <laughs> a piece of uh, of gaming device. Uh, no, they unveiled like the, the the conceptual and prototype of this mini uh, netbook sized gaming uh, laptop. It was a touchscreen with customizable keyboard. It supports a 7-inch LCD up top and a second 7-inch LCD on bottom uh, where you can import images to make a custom uh, like PC keyboard. Like If you're playing WoW, let's say you'd have all your WoW icons down there, whatever you wanted. Uh, the specs are still undecided as of right now. Um, the company is wondering whether or not they should go with uh, upgradable or with a set chipset. And uh, they're looking at support from the PC community. Uh, they we had some interesting conversations with Blizzard and Steam, who showed interest in it, but no deals have been made. And personally, I think this little guy might be the best thing for the PC market. Yeah, honestly, if they're if Steam and Blizzard show interest in it, that's essentially PC gaming right there. Yeah, the majority at least. Because I mean, who sells more PC games than Steam and Blizzard? And I know my problem with PC games a lot of time is keeping my hardware up to date. And mm-hmm. they've said, like, there's there's little chance that this will be running, like, Crisis. But 
I like the idea, and this may be the console person in me, but I I like the idea of of a device setting the requirements for PC gaming. Like, try not to go higher than this, because this is what your consumer is using. Sounds fair to me. What do you I think, th- Yaz? I think at the end of the day, I feel like the PC crowd is very very much into hardware, very much into, like, especially the people that play a lot of PC games, I think they almost enjoy keeping their stuff up to date. Like, oh, I got the new Cora i7 processor. Like, it's like a it's like a thing for them. So, the thing that I find somewhat difficult about this is, like, how, you know, because specs always move around for PC games, and, uh, like, how long, if you have this handheld, is it really going to be able to play certain games? Like, yeah, maybe able to play WoW, but, I mean, obviously you were saying it might not be able to play Crisis, but at the same time, parts have almost become so cheap that you could build a PC for about 600 bucks and actually run Crisis now. I think that if you if you do have Steam and you do have Blizzard uh, behind it, like Trevor says, if, if that sets sort of the parameters of what you can make your game to play on, it'll be a completely different story. Although I know that the, the PC gaming like sort of group is probably going to want to resist their games sort of becoming casual. Oh, yeah. I mean, and they have a huge, you know, like in like PC games have a much, much, much bigger like spotlight, I feel, on indie games. Like there are way more indie games on PC then you're going to find on 360 or you're not going to really find that many at all on PlayStation network. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. Like for, and you were saying that they were quoting around a $500 price point. Like it was based on the market that they're trying to sell to. Uh, it is assumed by some industry, uh, people that it should be about $500 for this, this device. It's a lot of money. It is. (laughs) A lot. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm personally not sold on it, but um, just because I'd rather personally just build a computer. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah, I guess if you want to play portable World of Warcraft and other portable PC games, like yeah, I guess I don't know. Well, I mean, I think it's a little blasphemous maybe to say that the solution to fix some of the problems with uh, PC gaming is to turn it into a console. But the idea that like. I could have, like, a, a small laptop with Steam built into it, you know? Mm-hmm. That's very appealing to me. Oh, I yeah. I love Steam. I love Steam, too. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's fa- I think that's fantastic. I'm just, I'm just thinking, I mean, yes, I would want one of this, one of these things if it was, like, dirt cheap, but I'm just thinking, are they going to be able to sell this? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and in the article, it does state that, like, there is a chance that this may never reach development phase. And that actually kind of segues us. The idea of PC gaming in general and the hardships it faces uh, does move us into our main topic of today, which is uh, this week, uh, the PS3 and the PSP Go uh, had their systems finally hacked. You can homebrew on the, uh, the PSP Go, which makes it an actual viable, useful platform now, and the PS3, which I'm a little less happy to hear about. And in this console generation, we've seen almost everything uh, get get jailbroken in one way or another, and we've seen a great increase in, in piracy in consoles with this current generation of games. 
So my question to you guys for our discussion on this podcast is uh, how do you think developers can combat piracy without bending consumers over backwards and, and ruining themselves? Well, for one, I think uh, I'm always reading articles of like, uh, for instance, they had a while back for Batman Arkham Asylum. For the pirated copies of the game, it would make it glitch out so where Batman couldn't glide. And if you can't glide with Batman, you can't really do much of anything. If they can start developing in their games something like that that can recognize if it's a legitimate copy or if it's a pirated copy and sort of mess up the pirated copy, it would definitely give more incentive for people to buy the legitimate copy so it can play correctly. All right, so you're saying that you think um, they should develop them so that it's not a full game unless you have bought the, the real copy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. As 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 far as like not uh, as far as not necessarily aid, alienating the customer base, but still being able to secure their own platform. Uh, I feel like a big thing is just listen to what your customers want. Mm-hmm. Like for PSP, we all know what the, we all know what custom firmware can do. We all know what people love about it, and the PSP as a whole, I, I guess, you know, has pretty much, by a pretty large margin, lost to the Nintendo DS. So give people, like, what they want. I'm not saying give them ISOs so they can play free games. But I'm just saying, like, you know, people expressed an interest in being able to have all their games on the memory stick. So... Sony was like, oh, yeah, you want that? Well, we'll put all these games up on PSN. Oh, but we don't have all of the games that you want. Yeah, plus, the prices are... plus, the prices are nowhere near comparable to a hard copy of that game. Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, yeah, they go on sale every once in a while, but if your price is not comparable to a brick-and-mortar store, like, like if Best Buy says, we're going to have Fantasy Star 2 for 20 bucks this week, why can't PSN match that? Amazon matches stuff. Like, why? Like, do you not want money? And you that, can see that with uh, with Steam for a good deal too. Uh, yeah, I mean, Steam is like Steam yeah. is amazing. Like their holiday sale. Like, I don't even buy that many PC games, and I bought a crap ton of PC games during then. So I just feel like you need to listen to what your cu- customers want. Like, it would be awesome if you can buy UMDs, and maybe they have like a serial code in there. And you could play the UMD without putting in the serial code, but if you wanted to rip the UMD, mm-hmm. maybe you could have, like, oh, you need to put the serial code in. Yeah. Because I know the big thing is, like, oh, well, if you rip UMDs, all you would have to do is just trade in the used UMD. But, like, this would, I think, deter that at least a little bit. Yeah, the, the code would be a one-time use only. Yeah, something like that. I mean, yeah, like, listen, to, I mean, the PSP can do a lot of awesome stuff on custom. And it was advertised as kind of a a um a homebrew system when it first came out. Yeah, like like you could you can put emulators on it. You can, you know, like it, it's great, you know. Mm. Um and I like I like what you said um with cuz like uh, my belief in in a sense, uh, I I've seen this a few times now and I really liked it is uh I've always believed when it comes to games and, and piracy, that the best way to combat piracy is with um, convenience. Yeah. Because um, that, that was, when I, 
I'll admit, when I was younger, of course, like a lot of us, I used to pirate. And uh, like you'll see it with like Battlefield Bad Company too, where they do the the uh, VIP membership, where you get all of their content and updates for free for doing this. So you could buy the game and you get some sort of benefit to you. Yeah, you get more maps, you get more play types of how to play on those maps. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think the the wrestling games this year ran that you could buy their game and then um, you got a code that would let you play online. And Fantasy Star Portable 2 did this as well, and some other games are doing this. And this concept of, like, you may have our game, but to access the the better parts of our game... You need to have this access code. Not only do I like it, because uh, it does help combat piracy, because even if you're pirating the game, if you want to play online, you have to shell out, you know, let's say $10 for the the code to get online. Uh, it also does a little bit to some of the used game resale market, which I think is wholly unfair uh, in their way of buying and trading. But mm-hmm. now, because you're, you're selling a used game, let's say, because... Developers think buying used games is pretty much the same as pirating. By selling this used game and buying it, you're still missing out on this one piece of content that you garnered by getting the code, which you can still obtain. But I feel like that's a really good regulatory way. Um, I also think, like you mentioned, uh, being able to like direct download my games or, or having my games stored on my on whatever system I'm using. But for a competitive price, like, yes. that's key. And I feel like that's the biggest key. And I, I don't have any numbers, and I, I wish I maybe would have gotten some, but uh, I feel like Steam has done a lot um, for for PC gaming that it isn't appreciated in the sense that uh, there are games, like, I, I used to pirate on PC, and, and I won't do it anymore a lot of the time because Steam actually will give me something I want for a fair price, or what I deem as a fair price. Yeah, I bought, like... I bought, like, three games, and one of the games, I bought all of its expansions for, I think it was a total of, like, 15 bucks during the sale. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, why? I wouldn't even waste the time of, like, you know, trying to pirate stuff. Yeah. If it was just somewhat reasonable, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I understand games come out at 50, things like that, but, like, at least in a digital format, like match prices of competitors like you know like i was saying if best buy or target or whatever place comes out with some ad and they lower a price like get the monkey that presses the button on psn to input the new price yeah yeah i was actually reading an article because they had a lot of people talking to the head of steam and asking him what he thought about piracy. And he was basically at a conference to talk to a bunch of other developers, and he said, I see pirates as people who are unsatisfied customers. Mm-hmm. And he actually went into why people were pirating games. And he goes, well, you know, you have a select few who don't believe that it's fairly priced or they can't afford it. He goes, but then you have some that they live in a, they're living in a country that the game won't come out for another eight months or that they can't buy the game in their country. So they pirate it. He goes, what we're trying to do in steam is trying to make simultaneous worldwide releases. He goes, we're trying to put out sales so that people can get the games for a fair price or what they deem as a fair price. He goes, we're trying to release demos for every game so that everyone has a chance to play it 
before they decide whether or not they want to spend the money on it. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things they said is that we're trying to streamline our surface to make it so easy to buy a game through us that pirating will seem like the more difficult option. Yeah, and, yeah, and I agree. it's pretty much becoming that with Steam. Like, Steam has a deal of the day sale, and I know I've impulsively bought stuff off Steam just because it was the deal for only that day. And the thing that always bothers me about that is like, okay, Xbox Live has deal of the week, but you have to be an Xbox Live Gold member to get that sale price. Yeah. And it's like, and then PSN, like, you'll be lucky to get a sale maybe two or three times a year. And it's just like, why not have a deal of the day? Do you guys know how much money you would make if you had deal of the days? Like, if you just, because that would just create more interest in your whole marketplace. Yeah, like, I'd like to know where this disconnect is, where, like, um, the, the, the whole point, like, you have to work with your consumer. The consumer doesn't have to buy your product. Like, you need to work for them. Like, I mean, McDonald's doesn't make you run through 10,000 hoops to get a burger. It shouldn't have to do the same thing for, like, a video game, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, doesn't. That's why uh, Netflix is taking off so well right now with their, their, digital, um, their digital download service. I love Netflix. <laughs> Honestly, the, them putting Netflix on all of the consoles is probably the smartest decision that company has ever made. Uh, Netflix actually was going to release a Netflix box way, way long ago. They though. still no, they have that. They well, have they have a Netflix box. They have it now, but um, there was a time where that was exclusively what they were going to do. That you had to own the Netflix box to do Netflix, and um, they trashed the idea in lieu of putting their software on current. Existing DVDs and Blu-rays and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and that was what turned the tide for them in their their marketing standpoint. And yes, they do have like this stuff now, but I mean they're a lot bigger now than they were when they first started. Yeah, I, I like I probably because I don't have cable, so I probably use my PS3 like probably around seventy percent of the time for Netflix because that that is television to me. Like yeah. I'll pick a TV show off there. I have a instant queue of like 400 things which is ridiculous apparently <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know like i just go on there and sometimes i zone out and before i know it i like added like 50 things yeah but yeah like i don't uh, just make it more convenient for us and with that being said uh adam you were talking about batman not having the ability to glide which is as a as a way to combat piracy is like funny almost oh yeah like it's it's like it's uh, it's kind of like ha that that's kind of actually it funny. is you know in these developers they're all creative people yeah and I know that they can come out with a way like that because I was reading an article of the Michael Jackson game I think it was either on yes. the PS or the PSP this where if you had a pirated copy it would just Blair Vuvuzelas really yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was amazing yes this is what I, that's actually what I was about to segue into I think definitely the funniest use uh, or the funniest fight against pirates is definitely the uh, Michael Jackson DS game having blaring vuvuzelas but the even funnier story about that is that people actually pirated the Michael Jackson game <laughs> yeah. that's that's the more shocking of the two so, yeah. however I think it's it's pirating numbers went up after they <laughs> found out part of the that game the Zella was on there because I think people wanted to see if it was actually true <laughs> um, if you have any uh, other contrary opinion to what we might have said on this podcast feel free to go to forced update at elder geek.com 
and send us an email, and we will read it on our next show. Speaking of reading emails, we did get one email after our first show. Not my mom. It was not uh, Yaz's mom. We're still hoping to hear from her at some point. So am I. Seeing that she is our only listener. Apparently beside this one other person. Uh, He writes, uh, You guys discussed the PSB2 on your last episode and seemed to have mixed opinions about it. Given that we know relatively little about either device, do you think the PSP2 stands a chance against the 3DS? I guess the issue at hand is, will the PSP2's raw computing power beat the 3DS's 3D gameplay? And that's from Justin Johnson. Well, I have one question for you. Just answer me this, and I think you'll find the answer in it. Okay. Did the PSP's raw computing power beat the Nintendo DS? No. That's kind of how I feel about this time around. I'm not saying I like the DS more. I'm not saying I like the PSP more, but they've got an uphill battle with Mm. PSP2. I think they have a very uphill battle. Like, in Japan, once they come out with Monster Hunter or something, it'll it'll sell like gangbusters. And I know you guys are huge fans of Monster Hunter, uh, but, like, I don't... I don't know. I, I don't know. Like... My feeling with the PSP2 is that I like Sony products, and I want to like the PSP2, but lately Sony has just been doing things that are just very dumb and seem to be jabs at the consumer, and I don't know whether they're going to price this right, whether it's going to be live up to the hype that they give it, and also for them to try to get the stranglehold that Nintendo has in the handheld market is like you said, an uphill battle. Nintendo's dominated the handheld market since we've been born. Yeah. Almost. And I think it says a lot for, I mean, the 3DS is coming out later this year, and the PSP we hasn't actually even officially... Yeah, it hasn't even officially been announced, and I think they, I think they need to hurry up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because I, mean, I, if, I, I agree with, with what both of you guys have said. Um especially from just like a, what the consumer is looking at standpoint, you got to think, I mean, I, I like the PS, I liked my PSP better than my, my DS, but the technology in the, the 3DS is so much more interesting yeah. than the technology in the PSP two that I agree. Unless, um, there's some really great thing that we don't know about or haven't seen PSP two is going to have a really hard time catching up with the, the 3DS. My thing is, is I don't really need amazing graphics in a handheld. Like, I own the consoles, you know, I own PS3, 360, Wii. Like, I don't, I don't need, I don't really even necessarily need 3D games. Like, not 3D as in, like, oh, it looks 3D. 3D as in, like, polygonal, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't even need, like, 3D games... On a handheld, I'm fine with, like, a lot of the 2D RPGs, platformers. Like, to me, handhelds were always my go-to for not necessarily older-feeling games, but, like, kind of like SNES games. Yeah. Like that. And so I don't need Ocarina of Time or Metal Gear or whatever. Like, I I just rather play that on a console. That's that, That was always my feeling. I'm never, like on a train or a bus and thinking, oh, I really need to play some Metal Gear. Like, like it's it's not really, like, a thing, yeah. I, I hear you on that. I, I was one who did not care for the latest Metal Gear portable game and just did not like it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, given the choice, I, I honestly, I probably wouldn't get either at this point. Um, my my DS collects dust, and the lineup for the 3DS hasn't impressed me. And the only thing that would really make me get a PSP2 is if they released a Monster Hunter title on it, just because I'm such an avid supporter of that series. And they will. Yeah, and they will, and then I'll probably buy it. But, uh, it, you know, well, I guess we'll see. Um, I think the 3DS has a way header, a way um, farther ahead curve than the PSP2. Yeah, because well, I mean, the PSP2 really doesn't... They haven't picked who their sort of opponent is going to be, because if they actually do come out with a phone, so that essentially means they want to combat the iPhone and the 3DS. I think yeah. Sony is taking way too much on their plate too early, and they don't have enough of a lead in the market to take on those two big competitors. Yeah. And at, and at this point, it's like, are you fully going to support this thing? You came out with the PSP Go, and uh, the whole, oh, we're going to really mass, you know, take our massive backlog of PSP games and put them up on PSN, and like, you know, the first couple weeks the PSP Go came out, there was tons of stuff going up on PSN, and now that's slowed down a lot. Yeah. The PSP Go is kind of like their child that was a mistake. <laughs> and I think, so they even, I, think they, yes. I think they even admit that at this point. Like I think yeah, they did. I think everybody like pretty much knows that. And I think the whole three D I'm not gonna say gimmick, but the whole three D thing of uh the DS is gonna be much more appealing to the broad consumers than like, oh, this is a handheld that looks really, really yeah. good. Like, I, I think, I think you know, it's kind of like the Wii. It's like, it didn't matter what those games looked like. It still sold more than the 360 and the PS3, like, console-wise. So yeah, Almost combined. Yeah, that, that's, uh, I think that's a pretty good answer to that question. Uh, if you, like I said, if you have a question for us, please feel free to send it to us. We'll read it on the air at uh, Forced Update at elder-geek.com to look at news stories like the one you've heard here today. Is this uh, the part? To, this is the part where I plug Elder Geek. Is this the part where the song starts? Yeah, the uh, song's going to start uh, probably right about now, as I say that you should go to elder-geek.com to look up news stories and reviews that you might hear on this podcast. And uh, stay tuned next week. We'll have episode 98, and you can enjoy us talking once again. Propaganda in the set of the Harvard and the Mark, the Cavern and the Sicker, the Rican and Mother, and the Cacard and Sea, the Cartagena, like the Wanda Havarino, Sarino Rabbit, to get the Piano from the Taylor and the Cavatish, and the Cavern of Morricari, and the Hill, to get the Kisses of the Coach, Arika, and the Pia of the Shetter, and the Gamara Propaganda. Propaganda. Propaganda.